This is Ed Cashmark, the Everyday Economist, keeping my eye on the economy every day for you, with no bluster, no bias, and no bull. April 23, 2020. I apologize in advance if you hear some hiccups. I've been dealing with some very persistent hiccups today, so uh, don't be surprised if you hear them, and who knows, maybe uh, if I get bad enough, it'll be a source of good humor for you. We all, all could use a laugh right now, right? Anyway, on to the economic releases for the day. There were three main ones. The first one was initial jobless claims. Uh, last week was 5.237 million. This week the forecast was 4.25 million. The actual number was 4.427 million. So that means over 26 million people have applied for unemployment insurance in the past four weeks. Just stunning. Stunning data. Just incredible. However, like I said yesterday, it doesn't mean that uh, that many people are out of work. Uh, some of those people are still employed, but because they're furloughed, they they can uh, apply for unemployment benefits. I, I'm not quite sure what the ramifications and, and the rules are for that, but I know that some people who still have jobs are allowed to apply for unemployment benefits. I might be wrong about that. I don't know. But uh, there's a lot of statistical nuances going on right now with labor market data. So um, keep that in mind. However, 26 million people on unemployment insurance is in and of itself, regardless of the intricacies of the, of the, of the measuring of the number, is just really incredible. All right. Uh, secondly, we have... Let's see, we have, oh, and I also wanted to mention that uh, an, one economist did some math and he says that uh, the jobless claims so far implies an unemployment rate of about 20.6%, which is only five, por- 5 percentage points less than what we saw during the Great Depression. Okay, next one was the PMI Composite Flash Index, which is basically a forward-looking indicator on manufacturing and the number fell from 40.5 last month to 27.4 in April. That's a huge decline. Anything less than 50 means contraction, so 27.4 means very serious contraction. And the other number that came out today was new home sales for March. Uh, in, in February, it was 765,000 new home sales forecast was from for March was 643,000 actual number was 627,000 so not only down from April but uh worse than forecast obviously because many people cannot get out of their homes to go to go look for a home because of all the uh shutdown measures being put in place <clears throat> okay next up we have uh, let's see, well, oil rebounded today by 23%, and that's good news. Uh, we need oil to come back up so that uh, we can avoid some catastrophic bankruptcies in the industry, which would lead to even more job losses, hundreds of thousands of job losses, and those are high-paying jobs too. So we don't want to see that. So oil's rise is good news. And uh, the stock market uh, was pretty flat today. It was up early on, but then uh, a news report that Gilead Sciences' trial of 
the antiviral drug remdesivir uh, was a flop. And it was largely due to the fact that they didn't have enough patients in the, in the trial, which means that any numbers that came out of, the, out of the, the trial were not significant because there just weren't enough people. So uh, that was a major disappointment for the market. And so the market ended up pretty much unchanged for the day, up by 35 points, I think, something like that. All right, I uh, just wanted to share a few things uh, from my buddy Roger here, his email. First of all, he says that, or this is the Financial Times, saying that uh, there was a 20% fall in remittances from uh, low- and middle-income nations uh, from $554 billion last year to $445 billion this year. Um, I'm not sure if that's an April number or, or what, but uh, anyway, he says it's, it's the largest fall in recent history. And that's not good because a lot of these nations depend very heavily on remittances from people working abroad. So that's not good news for some of these lower income countries. Uh, let's see here. Um, Another really bad thing is uh, U.S. farmers are destroying produce as supply uh, problems hit because um, there's just not enough demand for their products or there's uh, some some of these uh, producers of food are being shut down because of coronavirus spread. So a lot of farmers are finding that uh, the um, some of these places can't take their 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 crops and their uh, their livestock for producing food. So there's a backlog. So now some uh, farmers are destroying their crops and their livestock. That's <laughs> uh, harkens back to the Great Depression, uh, like I've been saying. Uh, just really, really not good, especially considering so many food banks need some, some food. Um, hmm, kind of makes you wonder why they're destroying their, their products if... Uh, they could just take it to some food banks. Well, you can do that with crops. Obviously, you can't do that with livestock. But uh, anyhow, so there's that. Um, and they're saying that uh, ground beef has become more expensive because of the fact that uh, less of it can be made right now. So uh, supply restrictions are leading to higher prices. All right. Uh, let's see, one other thing here. Well, oh, here's this. Uh, there's a discussion about the ability for the United States to do contact tracing to make sure to, to notify people who have been infected or who have been in contact with someone who has been infected with the virus says that uh, there's an estimate that the United States will have to hire about 100,000 people to, uh, to, do, to do this contact tracing, which would cost about $3.6 billion, which is not much, at least relative to the size of the, the economy and the budget, but still it's money that we don't want to be spending right now considering all the other money we're spending on so many other things. So that's what Roger had to say for today. Or that's what Roger shared from the Financial Times. Uh, let's see. Oh, uh, a billionaire, Leon Cooperman, had some things to say about how the uh, how capitalism itself is going to change. He said he had ten points, and I'll just share them with you. 
Number one, capitalism is altered due to the impacts on economies from the viral outbreak, obviously. Uh, he also, he, number two, he said politics in the U.S. are moving more to the left. Taxes will have to go up, as I've been saying. Number three, low interest rates may be lasting and are indicative of a troubled economy. Yes. Number four, consumer demand will come back slowly unless there is a vaccine for the coronavirus. I agree. Number five, businesses will face compliance costs related to the virus. Interesting and not good. Lots of equities. Number six, lots of equity issuance will be required to replace lost capital. And if that happens, then that would weigh on equity prices. Number seven, stock buybacks, one of the market's biggest drivers in, in the last few years, will fade away. I've been worried about what would happen with stock buybacks uh, or uh, with the stock market if and when stock buybacks uh, fell significantly. Um, and it took a pandemic for that to happen. Number eight, profit margins at corporations will revert to the mean, meaning they're going to be coming down because they have been pretty high over the last few years. Uh, number nine, credit is cheaper than equities right now. And uh, number 10, a quiet Warren Buffett, a white knight in the last crisis is a bad sign for the long term. In other words, Warren is not really doing a whole lot of investing right now uh, in, in companies so uh, even even though the prices have come down quite a bit, usually when the stock market falls, Warren Buffett goes on a shopping spree for for cheap companies and stocks. Well, it's not happening right now. So this this guy is saying that's not good news. All right, up next, the University of Minnesota is uh, working on a handheld device to detect the coronavirus, and it says this article says that. Uh, the device would give results in 10 minutes, and they're saying it should be ready in about six weeks at a cost of $100 a unit. Boy, that's exciting news. That would that would really be fantastic. It would help everybody to get back to work a lot sooner if everybody could just grab this device. Well, actually, what they're saying is uh, the... Uh, Health practitioners would need to actually take a blood sample and they would have to run the test. So it's not something that you can just buy and test on your own. Still, it would be a really, really welcome development when that comes out. And let's see what else here. Okay, well, that's enough uh, of that. I was watching a webinar today put on by the CFA Society, which is the Chartered Financial Analyst. Uh, and that's uh, an exam that I was supposed to be taking in June, but that's been pushed back to December, which is kind of a blessing in disguise in a way because it gives me more time to uh, work on my podcast, which I hope all of you are finding very valuable. And today's webinar was an interview with Nobel, winning, Nobel Prize winning economist Robert Schiller, very well known, very much respected. And I will share the notes that I took from the webinar. First of all, he says he doesn't even want to give a, a forecast on the on GDP right now because it's just too darn difficult to figure out where things are going. He's expecting a U-shaped recovery rather than a V-shaped recovery. In other words, when we finally come out of this, uh, the economy is going to rebound slowly rather than quickly. Uh, and that's what a lot of people are thinking. There is the possibility that it could come back quickly, I'm I'm actually personally thinking it's going to be something like a check mark. In other words, we're going to have a, a a quick rebound, but it's not going to be very big. And then it's going to kind of level off, I think, 
at a at a lower level than it was before the pandemic hit. Because uh, I don't think we're going all the way. Back. It's impossible to go all the way back uh, quickly because of all of the restrictions being put on on so many big industries, uh, especially the travel industry, the tour, tourism industry, the airline industry, the uh, the cruise cruise line industry. Uh, restaurants, how are they going to deal with uh, people coming back? Uh, there's no way that they're going to be able to have full restaurants for quite a while. What's going to happen with uh, universities and schools? How are they going to have students sitting right next to they, they can't have students sitting right next to each other anymore. So, And sports, oh my gosh, what is going to happen with sports? They're going to have to significantly reduce the ability, the number of people that they're going to allow in their stadiums and their arenas for quite some time, I think when they finally do allow people to come back, which who knows when that's going to happen. So I don't think it's going to be a, a V-shaped recovery. I'm thinking more of a check mark, and then a gradual uptrend after that. Anyway, back to Robert Schiller's notes. Uh, he, he mentioned that uh, there is a possibility of a depression scenario, which I've been mentioning a lot. He's not too optimistic on a vaccine anytime soon. He doesn't think the market has bottomed yet, so he think uh, he thinks that the market is going to go back lower than uh, the recent bottom. He says the market was overpriced before the pandemic hit. He puts out what's called the uh, what's it called? Uh, it's he called it's the Case Shiller adjusted P/E ratio, which is adjusted for business cycles. He puts that out. You can you can uh, Google that if you want. C A S E price earnings ratio ratio <clears throat> and he says that that's a better uh indicator of the uh pricing of stocks relative to earnings let's see he also said that uh, there are fundamental changes to the economy going on right now obviously he says it's a good time to be a fundamental investor rather than a technical investor in other words instead of looking at charts look at the balance sheets and the uh cash flow statements and the uh the income statements of companies to determine whether or not uh, a company is a good investment. Taxes will rise to pay for all the stimulus. I totally agree. That's going to be another source of very high contention in in an already very contentious political climate right now. Inflation is a concern for investors as stimulus outweighs supply of goods and services. And when you hear about farmers destroying their their crop or their their crops and their livestock, well, uh, yeah. It could definitely lead to higher prices down the road. On the other hand, because there's such low demand, then reducing that supply is really only um, possibly what they're trying to do is to meet meet lower demand. If that's the case, in other words, if it's if it's not due to a bottleneck in the production supply chain and it's instead due to lower demand, then prices will not rise. Um, but then there's also a possibility of deflation, uh, and that's one of my views is because uh, I believe that wages are going to come down, or at least wage growth is going to slow when all these people come back to work because there's going to be way more people looking for work than jobs available. So it's going to be a, a an employer's market when people come back to work, and I think that's going to weigh significantly on wages, which could lead to... Uh, either disinflation, which is lower inflation, or deflation, which is an actual decline in prices. Okay, let's see what else here. Uh, he says uh, he doesn't know 
what restaurants are going to do about seating when when they reopen, which is what I just said. Um, let's see here. He says that uh, the media is over-dramatizing the pandemic. Don't watch the news, he says. <laughs> I agree, but I do still have to watch the news to know what's going on so I can share it with my audience. He says environmentalists are exploiting the pandemic with their narratives of climate change and other environmental uh, concerns. That's that's what he's saying. He says P.E. ratios could go negative as companies lose money. Boy, that would be interesting. <laughs> We've already seen negative oil prices. Now we're going to possibly see negative P.E. ratios. Oh, my goodness. If people keep thinking we're going into a depression, that raises the chances that we will go into a depression. In other words, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. Uh, definitely. Social distancing will weigh heavily on office, bu office building construction. Or it could actually support office building construction if companies have to seat people further apart, in which case they would need more space. Uh, that's pretty interesting. It would be interesting to see how this all pans out for office construction. He says schools will also have to re be retrofitted too. The unemployment rate could come close to or even top the 25% seen in the Great Depression. That's just... Oh, difficult, difficult to hear, difficult to hear. <clears throat> he says he was surprised. I asked this question. I said, uh, what were you, what, what did you learn during the pandemic so far that you either didn't believe or didn't know prior to the pandemic? His answer was kind of strange. He says he was surprised about how fast the economy tanked after the pandemic hit. And uh, I was really surprised by that answer considering all of these industries shut down and put their people out of work like within two weeks. And what, what did you expect was going to happen? I don't know. Like I said, I, I was kind of surprised by that comment. And he says we are suffering from an epidemic of a virus and an epidemic of fear. Absolutely. And the fear itself may actually be worse than the disease, in which case, uh, well... A lot of the fear is coming from the, from the virus, but a lot of fear is also coming from financial situations as people lose their jobs and have their wages and hours cut. So, I mean, like I said before, this is a, this is a, a two-pronged crisis we're going through right now. So, fear is definitely very, very high right now. All right, that's it for Robert Schiller's notes. Uh, just a quick update on the coronavirus. I'm not going to bother you with the statistics. You can find them yourself. Um, what I see as good is that daily case and death growth is flattening. In other words, the rate of growth. That's a good thing. If you look at the logarithmic chart, both of them are, are getting very flat. That's good. The bad, bad news is that daily cases and fatalities are not declining. Uh, yesterday we saw the most fatalities in the U.S., about 2,900 that we've seen yet. Um, the next day it came down a little bit to, what was it, uh, let's see here, came down to about, yesterday's death count was 2,300, and today we're already at, looks like, uh, over 2,000, so even though the rate of growth is slowing, the levels are still staying very high, not good, not good, not good. Uh, and one other thing I wanted to mention was <laughs> before I, I started recording this podcast, I, I figured, well, if we're already close to 50,000 fatalities in the United States, 
than the than the uh, University of Washington uh, IHME model would have to be revised up from sixty thousand. And lo and behold, I checked their their website today, and it has been raised uh, all the way up to sixty seven thousand six hundred forty one by August four. So I was I was on point on that. Uh, okay, that's it for all that data. Now on to my unemployment tip number nine for how to stay sane during unemployment. Be thankful for your furniture and appliances. Oh my goodness. What would your life be right now like without a couch to relax and watch TV or read a book or to listen to some music? Without a bed to get a good night's sleep? Without a table so you could eat your food? Or hold your drink? <laughs> Nobody's drinking right now, are they? No, no. Uh, let's see. Without chairs so you could sit at your table, so you can eat your food or drink your beverage. Without a dresser to store your clothes. How about, how about a fridge to store your food? Yeah, you know. And a stove to cook your food. And a furnace to keep you warm or an air conditioner to keep you cool, depending on where you live and what time of the year it is. So, you know... A lot of bad things going on right now, but I'm assuming the vast majority of people that are listening to this have all of those things. I have all those things, and oh my gosh, am I thankful. I thank the Lord every single day for everything that I have. Even though, I, that I, even though I've lost an awful lot over the last several years, I've lost money, I've lost my job, I've lost my father, I've lost my best friend. Um, you know, uh, you still got to be thinking, no matter how bad things are, you got to be thankful for what you have today. Because I got to tell you, tomorrow you might lose it. You might lose something. You might lose a friend. You might lose your job. You might lose some, some of your possessions. And who knows? You might even lose your mind going through this kind of a crisis. So be thankful for everything you have every single day. And that will put this crisis in perspective for you. Okay, that's it. That's all I have for today. I do want to mention that tomorrow I'm I'm going to later on today I'm going to watch another webinar with uh, another well-known economist who I will reveal tomorrow. Ooh, the suspense! Uh, it was an interview with uh, with uh, I'll just say it's an interview because I don't want to I don't want to spill the beans here. Anyway, um, I will share the notes on that. He has a great website. I'll share it with you tomorrow. Um, but uh, really looking forward to seeing what he has to say about all this. Very, very intelligent man. So I'll share the notes on that webinar on tomorrow's episode. So that gives you reason to tune in tomorrow. Again, I have a feedback link for my podcast on my website, www.edcashmark.com. Please uh, go to iTunes and subscribe. Give me a rating or a review on iTunes so we can boost my podcast viewing uh, and get more people informed about what's going on with the economy, the coronavirus, and uh, tips for unemployment. Please spread the word to your family, friends, neighbors, relatives, coworkers, and maybe even your dog, if your dog likes economics. <laughs> or your cat. I know my sister has cats. Who knows, maybe her cat's ears will perk up if she plays in my podcast. <laughs> and um, I just wanted to mention, if you want, you can go back to previous episodes to see what I've been talking about, as well as uh, my previous tips on how to stay sane through unemployment. That's it for today. This is Ed Cashmark, the Everyday Economist. Stay safe and stay sane. Thanks for listening. Have a good rest of your day.